Then, let us um, see this message today of commencement. And so as the title says, that proclaim the year of favor and the day of vengeance, as we see in verse 2. The day, the proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance for of our God. And this is used in Matthew chapter 4, that as he begins his ministry, he goes to the synagogue and he proclaims this word and says that this word today is fulfilled. But from there, Jesus did not declare the second half of this verse, which is the day of vengeance. Why? Because when the Lord first came to this earth, what was proclaimed? The year of the Lord's favor was proclaimed. And now the day of the Lord's vengeance is going to come at the end of days. And so purposely, Jesus left this part out. And so, of course, even right now, we are living in this time of the Lord's favor. But at the same time, we're also living in the day of the vengeance of the Lord. And so we have the authority to break down and to... And to um, breakthrough and so we're proclaiming the day of vengeance and when you proclaim the day of vengeance you're also proclaiming the Lord's uh, um, the, the, the Lord's uh, what's it called the Lord's favor and when you proclaim the Lord's favor you're proclaiming the vengeance of the Lord and so as we even now as we go to Costa Rica we're going to proclaim the Lord's favor what is the Lord's favor it's the jubilee the jubilee the freedom of God being proclaimed and when that is proclaimed to the righteous at the same time what is being proclaimed the vengeance of God towards the wicked and so we go proclaiming the Lord's favor as well as the day of vengeance and so this is what characterized the ministry of Jesus Christ. In the same way, it characterizes our ministry as well, because our ministry is what is based off the ministry of Jesus Christ. And so wherever we go, what, what are we supposed to do? How we live our lives, what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to proclaim the year of the Lord's flavor and at favor and flavor favor, and at the same time proclaim the day of vengeance. And as long as we are under the grace of God, this cannot be taken from us. Many times in spiritual warfare, we see ourselves falling into despair, falling into emptiness, falling into vapidness. But what you need to understand is that when you feel that emptiness, when you feel like inactivity is happening, it's not actual inactivity that's happening. The devil is moving. They're always fighting. You may think that there's no warfare around you, but warfare is always around you. Even though the devil has, uh, has already been defeated, he is not going to just lay still. And so if you do not uh, overpower the devil with strength, with power, with authority, he is not going to just lay still and let you take over. No, we, with the strength and power that God has given us, we need to be able to overpower him. But, the, but thanks be to God that he has already given us the way to do so. Right? What does it say even from the time of Genesis? What did God bless Adam with? To subdue the earth, right? To subdue the earth. So, 
And so through us, God wants to use us to uh, proclaim the day of vengeance to the devil. God has already given Adam that right. And though Adam failed in his calling, Jesus came and perfected that calling. Amen. And so restored that authority to proclaim the day of vengeance against the devil. And so... What is natural is to proclaim that vengeance, not to be oppressed. And so we are not beings who can be defeated by the devil. That's the faith and, and, and confidence that you need to have. Even if, even if you see yourself being defeated, never acknowledge that defeat. Never acknowledge that defeat because you cannot be defeated by the devil. They are beings who are always going to be overpowered by the strength and authority God has given us. And so from that perspective, we can be grateful from, in, in a sense, towards them. Because what are they for, there for? What are they there for? It's for us to exercise and practice uh, the authority and power that God has given us. Amen? Have you guys fought, have you guys had a quarrel yet? Not yet. Wow, you guys have a good relationship. How about you? Have you guys had a quarrel? Wow, you guys are weird that you guys have not quarreled yet. Okay, see the thing is is when you do not fight spiritual battles, you're going to turn against one another. That's the principle of things. You have to fight against the devil, not fight against each other. But these days, these days people uh, the men, they're so, they're so t bound by the w women that they married. Like, look at you. Are you, are you, you're wound up tight by your wife, aren't you? Okay, you got to be like your father, right? How your father is never tied down by your, his wife, right? By your mother. <laughs> How about Tongjin? What about you? Where are you? Have you fought, have you quarreled with your wife yet? Okay, okay, yes, you have, you have. <laughs> he said there was a difference in opinion. That means that they quarreled, yeah. <laughs> okay, you, that's, that's natural. You are doing right because, of course, you don't want to be like Changyu fighting every day, but... But there is quarrel. What about Uzong? How about you? Did you quarrel with your wife yet? Oh, multiple times. See, that's that's normal. That's normal. You are normal. I'm very grateful. <laughs> I'm grateful that even though they quarrel, they do not divorce and they sit together, right? That's 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 why I'm grateful. How about Hyunji? You got anything to say for yourself? Did you fight? You quarreled? Yeah, several times. That's normal. Right? You've lived your own life for 30 years and now you're mixing with another person? Of course you're going to quarrel. But look, the focus is, is if you do not engage in spiritual warfare, you're going to fight with one another. How about you? You guys are strange. You're not engaging in spiritual warfare and yet you don't fight. That's weird. You got to fight spiritual battles. And so, let's see this year of the favor and the day of vengeance. And so I'm sure you do not remember the sermons of Isaiah. Oh, you do? Be sure. 
But, okay, so uh, chapter 61, verses 1 through 3 is prophecy of Jesus' ministry when he first comes. And then chapter 4 to 11, or verse 4 to 11 is... Um, is the prophecy of the millennial kingdom. And so remember, when, whenever I talk about these seasons that come, you know, it doesn't change instantaneously, right? Just as, remember, I used this example of the changing of the dynasties in Korea. Before the kingdom of Chosun was established, there was time in within Koryo for that system to be made inside for Chosun to take over, right? You can see that historically happening, right? Towards the decline of Koryo, you see that ah, a new nation is going to be established. It's the same thing spiritually as well. Right? A new kingdom is coming, right? This millennial kingdom is coming. It's not just going to appear out of nowhere and people just transformed immediately. No. What is resurrection? Resurrection isn't something new, but rather those people, who, it is a confirmation of those people who are being sanctified on this earth. And so if you are sanctified here by 10, then you will resurrect 10, right? Like you understand what I mean by this numbers, right? Like not 10 times, but resurrect like that glory, that glory. And so all of these processes isn't just for your, your, all these processes of sanctification isn't just for your life today, but it's also go, affecting everything that happens in, the, in eternity. Though that's where we need to open our eyes to. It's not about us trying to make something on this earth. That's not our goal. And so we need to continue, as it says in Hebrews 11, like Abraham, if we do not see the glory of our homeland, then we are going to be bound to this earth. That is survival instinct. That is Babylon standard. As if that this is everything. As if this life is everything. So remember, there is nothing on this earth that is worthy of you um, um, making it your goal. Right? God alone is worthy of being your goal. And because God is your goal, everything on this earth is just simply a means to that goal. And so if you cannot see that, then you need to understand that something is being bound inside of you. Why are you so influenced by, those, by, by this Babylon? It's because this hope for the kingdom of heaven is not is not uh, being characterized inside of you because if your your life's goal was for the kingdom of heaven, then you would see how these things of this world is tying you down. So if you're looking at eternity and you're seeing that kingdom and you're seeing the in, in glorious inheritance that is waiting for you, there's nothing on this world that would bind you down. You may say that, oh, it's because you're a pastor. No, no, it's not. There is nothing in this world that is worth your investment, the investment of your time. As it says in Habakkuk, that everything in this world will burn in the fire tomorrow. The common factor should be eternity, eternity. If you look at the, the people who are glorified by God on this earth, the common factor is that they had this thirst and desire and yearning for eternity. 
right? Look at the people from, from the Moravian church, right? That they embodied that thirst for eternity. And so look, tomorrow I'm going to be preaching out of Philippians. And it's the same thing. That if the pastor is not yearning for eternity, that church is going to go in the wrong way. Right? I run after the goal. I, the goal has been set before me. What is that goal? That goal is in eternity. It's not about making something on this earth. But rather through my pastoral ministry, as I choose God, as I lift it up to God, how is this church going to stand before you in eternity? That spirituality that spirituality is going to of course establish the church in power of course is going to establish the church in firm foundations it's because i'm looking at eternity that i'm blessing the inheritance the businesses of our churches it's if it's not because it's not because i want them to make money no it's because i'm looking at that eternity Amen. And so whenever I talk about millennial kingdom, as I said in Isaiah, it's not all of a sudden out of nowhere, out of the blue, just rising out. No, as people prepare their hearts, as they continue preparing, even while they're living in the previous kingdom, that they are preparing for the welcoming of that new system. Amen. And so think about it. If your live if your life is completely in tatters right now and tomorrow the millennial kingdom comes, do you think that you're going to be glorified? No. It's when you have that faith and that yearning and you're preparing for that kingdom like today's prophecy, that glory will come upon you. And so in that perspective, when we think about millennial kingdom, when we think about this sermon, we don't look at it as some word being proclaimed for the future. No, rather we look at it as words being proclaimed to us for the present. As we go to Central America, that amazing victory that is being proclaimed, that victory is of course prepared, it is also of course that moment in time. But more importantly, it is victory that is preparing for that millennial kingdom. Amen? And so through that victory, all the spoils of war that we're going to receive, the, the change and the maturity that we're going to experience, all of these things is allowing what? Is allowing us to prepare for that millennial kingdom. Amen. And think about even from the devil's perspective. The devil's perspective is the same thing. His goal is to, is to interrupt us from that eternity. And so why is that allowed? Why does God allow? So that we can overcome and be victorious for that glory in the millennial kingdom. And so instead of looking at the attacks as, as, as a bad thing to avoid, rather, it should be something that we can um, face head on and be like, are you ready? Are you ready? <laughs> And so there are two things that we can see, right? As it says, verses 1 through 3 is regarding the first, uh, the first coming of Jesus Christ. And 4 to chapter 62, verse 9 is the millennial kingdom. And that season is upon us. I said one time in Paraguay that ah, the anointing of the millennial kingdom is flowing. And ever since then... Jesus, our God has been unleashing this millennial kingdom anointing upon us. 
And God is allowing us to experience that joy. It's, and so God is showing us that it is the season to prepare for the coming of the kingdom. Okay, when we have these conference, when we have these leader uh, gatherings, and when we have um, this inner healing time, right? This anointing is just being poured out. It's just being poured out. And so we're just filled with this joy that comes from within us. That when we're in the presence of God, we cannot help just be happy. So many people, this is the delusion that they have. This is the misconception that they have. That when they are having hardships, that when they are suffering, when they are down and, and, and in the dumps, it's because they think that something around in their life is not right. No, it's because it's not because that they don't have something. It's not because that, um, yeah, it's, it's because they're not receiving God. If we are in God, we will be filled with joy. So look, okay, are, are, there, are you guys, when you look at each other, are you, do you find, see beauty in each other? Amen? Then yes, then you are in God. And so let's look at verses 1 through 3 first. Let's see the word that proclaims his first coming. And so verse 1. Chapter 61, verse 1. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. And so this verses 1 through 3 is spoken from the first person perspective. The Messiah is speaking. So these are words that Jesus Christ quoted directly as he started his ministry. That's how important these verses are. Because what is this uh, verses describing? It's describing the ministry of Jesus Christ. Who I am and what I have come to do. That is what is being proclaimed here. And so until the end times come, until the apocalypse comes, these are words that open the door to that coming. And so the ministry of Jesus Christ, okay, what is the apocalypse? Okay, from his first coming to his second coming, this is all the end times. This is the eschatology. And so we're living in the end times. And so what is Jesus Christ going to do to open that? That is what's been proclaimed here. So if we follow this ministry, we can follow him into that glory. And so in Isaiah, what we need to see is that some is talking about the eschatology. Some is talking about the, his first coming. And, and it's all mixed in. It's mixed in. And so what we need to see is, who is he speaking of? He's speaking of both the uh, first coming of God and also the, 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 the end times. And, and so what is being proclaimed? What is being proclaimed is that you who hear these words in faith are being made into people who can receive this glory. Amen? And so, so what does he say? The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Uh, 
And so starting from the second half of Isaiah, second section of Isaiah, it talks about the Messiah. And what what is with the Messiah all, all times is the Holy Spirit, right? Even in chapter 42, verse 7, chapter 42, verse 16, whenever there's a prophecy of the Messiah, always we see the Holy Spirit as well. And so remember, these propositions, why are they so important? Because these propositions of the truth raise up our faith. And so the Holy Spirit was never goes separate from uh, the, the Messiah. This is important because it's always integrated, right? The wholeness of the kingdom of God is always present. It's not just the word. It's not just power and revelation. It's always together. So the kingdom of heaven moves as a whole. And that's what's important. As it moves in as a whole, then what can you be assured of? You can be sure that this church is filled with, with the kingdom of heaven. And so let's say that you have a sickness and you are not being healed, then that's showing that there's somewhere that God's reign is being broken down inside of you. Okay, we live for the kingdom of heaven. That's why we go to church, right? But many people go to church because they need something, right? They need something to be filled in their life. They need money. They need wisdom. They need their children to be raised right. No, we go to church. To, we attend church and we are Christians for the kingdom of heaven. It's about the wholeness of the kingdom of heaven. We need everything of the kingdom of heaven, not just a single portion, not just a single part. So the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. This is really important. And so uh, the Holy Spirit is always goes hand in hand with the Jesus Christ, right? That always goes together. And so you need to always check this. Are you filled with Jesus Christ? Then you are filled with the Holy Spirit. If you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you're filled with the Word. If they're not happening at the same time, that means that something, there is a hole somewhere. If all you're doing is looking for uh, mystery, 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 you're looking for spiritual things, spiritual things, spiritual things, but the Word is weak, then something is wrong. The kingdom of heaven is an integrated kingdom. The kingdom of heaven it moves as a whole. It does not move in portions. For example, let's say your character is wrong. Like you, you have bad character. Then that's, again, something's wrong. The kingdom of heaven is, it is not fully over you. Now, this doesn't mean that you make it out of yourself. But rather, it means that a part of you is not being touched by the kingdom of heaven. Let's say your wisdom is, is, is broken. Then it's not about you cultivating your wisdom. No, it means that God's wisdom is not touching you. God's wisdom is not reigning in you. And so what you need to understand is that God's goodness is not, does not want to leave that alone. God wants to heal that portion, whatever it is. And that's what you need to first acknowledge and receive. And so whatever it may be, 
if there is a hole in your life, it's not through your efforts, it's not through your own cultivation that you can solve that. No. Kingdom of heaven needs to touch that. So all you need to do is receive it. But because you're unable, because you're unable to see it, because the Holy Spirit doesn't illuminate it, you are unable to receive it. Remember, the kingdom of heaven is not going to leave your hurts, your scars, your wounds to 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 remain. No, the kingdom of heaven is is about wholeness and will touch you, will heal you, will loosen you. And so the reason why you're unable to receive it is because you do not have the desire to be made whole in God. You acknowledge that you acknowledge your weaknesses and you think it's part of you rather than understanding that it was never yours to begin with. Remember that you have been made in God's image. And so when you go to the kingdom of heaven, you are going as divine beings, right? And so the spirit of the Lord God is upon me. So again, with the Messiah, we see that the Holy Spirit is never separate. Jesus Christ could minister on his own. And yet, what do we see here? Why is the Holy Spirit always with Jesus Christ? Why is there never any separation? Why? Because Messiah, when he came to this earth, he could not use his own power. That's why he had to go hand in hand with the Holy Spirit. Because he came fully as man, he had to put off his authority, his power as the Son of God. And rely fully on the Holy Spirit. And for this reason, as our model, we also can live in that same way. And so in this sense, that's why it's important to understand that the Holy Spirit is always with the Lord Jesus Christ. He came fully as man, never used availing his authority and power as son of God. And lived fully relying upon the Holy Spirit. And in the same way... As it says in the Gospel of John, we also can live this way, how? When we rely on the Holy Spirit, when we live with the Holy Spirit. And so, this season upon Yorbang Church is the season that's awakening you, you to this. That, ah, it's so simple. It's so simple. All I have to do is be filled with the Holy Spirit. If I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, then all things will be unraveled. Amen? We are starting to realize this, yes? Right? Even faith, it's about being filled with the Holy Spirit. When I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, I'm filled with faith. When I'm filled with faith, that's all I need. Isn't it easy? It's simple, yes? I'm not asking you whether you can do it or not. No, it's simple though, yes? It's simple. All you have to do is be filled with the Holy Spirit. Tomorrow I'm going to preach in Philippians. That's Paul's conclusion is be filled with the Holy Spirit. If you're filled with the Holy Spirit, then according to His will, He will lead you to live that life. So all we need to do is thirst to be filled with the Holy Spirit. If we thirst with the, fill, or with the fullness of the Holy Spirit... And the Holy Spirit will illuminate all those weaknesses, will show you all the parts that are broken, and will lead you to restore all of those things. There's nothing impossible for the Holy Spirit. Amen? And so, 
That's why it's so important here that we see that the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, that Jesus Christ came with the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus Christ came with the Holy Spirit, what does that mean for us? It means that we also can live that way, especially in these end times, as we are living in this New Testament era, that without the Holy Spirit, we cannot do anything. Even in the midst of this dynamic fellowship with God, it's all about living with the Holy Spirit, about surrendering to the Holy Spirit, letting the Holy Spirit take over. Whenever we limit the Holy Spirit, that's that's when, when we are uh, doing, um, where, when that will lead us to sin. And so look, look at how important it is that Jesus Christ came with the Holy Spirit to the point that he said that all sins will be forgiven even when you, even all sins against the Son of Man. But when you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, that sin is never forgiven. That's how important it is. Okay, right now I'm kind of confused because I have two sermons inside of me, sermon today and sermon tomorrow. But anyways, and so because the Lord has anointed me, and because He lives by the Holy Spirit, what do they need? To someone who lives by the Holy Spirit, what does they need? They need anointing. And so to everyone who's here, if the Holy Spirit dwells inside of you, is that true? The Holy Spirit dwells inside of you, yes? I believe that everyone in our church is filled with the Holy Spirit, amen? And so raise your hand if the Holy Spirit does not dwell inside of you. Okay, the Holy Spirit dwells inside of you, amen? Okay, ask the person next to you uh, carefully. Uh, do you have the Holy Spirit? Do you have the Holy Spirit? Ask. The Holy Spirit needs to move inside of you, and yet why do you, why does the Holy Spirit not move, to be more accurate? It's because there's no anointing. Okay. Okay, every church is church of God, and yet why doesn't the Holy Spirit move? Why? Because there's no anointing. Now, of course, why is there no anointing? Because there's lack of desire, there's lack of thirst, there's lack of holiness. And so we need to maintain that right relationship with God. If you're, what it does it mean to relate or have the right relationship with God? It means that at any time that I have a relationship with God, that He can open up the kingdom of, uh, open up the doors of heaven and pour out His anointing wherever I go. That if I say to God, anoint me, that anointing flows. That intimacy. Amen? And so look, when you, asked to, uh, when you make someone do ministry, you can see the person who has limitations of anointing. He cannot do anything. But the one who has that relationship with God, Father, anoint me, and that anointing flows, that anointing, that relationship, that's the most important thing to maintain. And so because they have that intimacy with God, that God's anointing freely flows. For 10, 20 years, uh, trying to pray in tongues, but unable to pray. And yet the moment they step into this church, they receive anointing, uh, they receive uh, tongue prayer, the gift of tongues. What's the difference between what they've been doing for 10, 20 years and when they come to this church? The difference is the anointing. 
And so, it's this anointing that is the key. And so we need to be in that relationship where, where we, we can have that relationship with God that He pours out the anointing as He desires. Right? As, as we see with Jesus Christ, the heavens opening up and the Spirit coming upon Jesus like a dove in the same way. This isn't some special, only special event for Jesus Christ. Rather, because of the price that He paid and the blessing that He has given us, the authority He has given us, we need to live by that authority that the anointing is always flowing me according to what God's will, according to how we seek God. Why are you unable to do so? It's because you live by your thoughts, because you live by your strength. When you give up on yourself, cry out to God, Lord, anoint me, then He will pour it out. This essential faith in God, this unity, this unilateral uh, uh, um, looking towards God, then God will always pour it out. But it's because you have other options, because you live by your thoughts, because you think you can do something. God says, okay, then you d- leaves you to, uh, leaves you to your own devices. And so look, the anointing flows. It's coming, yes? Can you not, even as you're listening to the sermon, the anointing flows, amen? Lord, anoint me. Then you feel that anointing, that anointing come upon you, being poured out upon you, even just being proclaimed. You can see that anointing, amen? So anointing from the perspective of Old Testament, who gets anointed? The king and the prophets and, so, and, and the high priest. And so the Lord being anointed means that he has received all three of these things, right? And so it's the same thing for us. The important thing for us is this anointing. Why is spiritual gifts so important? Because spiritual gifts is proof that the kingdom of heaven is moving. And so do not allow uh, that to stay still, right? Spiritual gifts not being manifest inside of you. You need to pray to God. Why? Why is it not? Um, why isn't it not being unleashed upon you? Or spiritual authority? Why isn't it not being unleashed upon you? Don't leave it alone because you need to be able to move according to the reign of the kingdom of heaven. What did the Lord say? The Lord says that the kingdom of heaven is upon you, right? Who are you? You are a being that the kingdom of heaven is upon you. Jesus did not say to you, just preach the word. Jesus did not just say to you, just heal people. No, Jesus said that the kingdom of heaven is upon you. How amazing is that? This is not a simple declaration. That if I have the authority to move all of America, then who is that? That is the president of the U.S., right? United States. The president of the United States has that amazing power, right? But what about you? You are similar. You have... The, the, when you move, the kingdom of heaven moves with you. And so that is who you are. You are... The kingdom of heaven is upon you. The power, riches, and authority of the kingdom of heaven moves through you. That's why you are heirs. Amen? That's your dignity. That's your nobility. Have faith. Have faith that when you move, that Manachayim, the the heavenly hosts, move with you. 
And so this kingly ministry, this prophetic ministry and this priestly ministry is what has been proclaimed. What is that ministry? It's to bring good news to the poor, right? Again, proclamation, declaration. What does it say in chapter 42 of Isaiah? Chapter 42, verse 9, I think. Uh, okay, maybe chapter 40, verse 9? He said it was correct, but... Ah, yeah. Go up on a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up, fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, behold your God. And so, this is the good news, that God is coming, right? That God, behold God, that is the beautiful news. That is the good news. And so this good news is the gospel, right? The good news. And so, what is the ministry of the prophet then? It's to proclaim the good news to the poor. So why am I going to Costa Rica? Of course, there are many reasons, but above all else, is to proclaim the good news of God. You are kings, prophets, and priests. Then above all else, what you need to do is realize that you are pro proclaimers of the good news of God. Whether they understand it or not, it doesn't matter. What is important is to proclaim. It's not about understanding. It's not about embodying. That, those things will come. But first, primarily, is proclamation. Proclamation. And now, proclaim the good news to who? To the poor. To the poor. Why are you unable to receive the word of God? It's because your heart is rich. I'm not talking about whether you have money or not, whether you have um, resources or not. What I'm talking about is your heart, the state of your heart. Are you a poor heart or a rich heart? Those who yearn for God, who need God, they are the ones who hear. Why do you, are you unable to hear the words of God? It's because your heart is rich. You may think to yourself, oh, it's because I don't understand. It's because I don't understand. No, it's because your heart is rich. The gospel belongs to the poor, not to the rich. The word belongs to the poor. Even now, as I go to Central America, South America, Africa, why am I so happy to go to them? Because their hearts are poor. Now, they may be actually poor, but it's not because of just them being poor, but because their hearts are poor. Because their hearts are poor, they need God, and they look to God. They're desperate for God. And so, as we see in the Beatitudes, that those who have this poor heart will become what? Will go to the point where their heart is pure. And so without this poor heart, we cannot hear the word of God. And so in this ministry of the king, the most important thing is, is that who is this um, good news directed to? It's directed to the poor. And so we need to empty our hearts. Amen. And so it's people like me who needs to be afraid. People who have been Christians for 33 years, 40 years. People who have been Christians since they were in their mother's womb. These people, they need to be wary. Because, because sim not simply just their heart not being poor, but they're filled with, these, with, these, with, the, with the spirit of religion. So it's hard for them to hear the word of God. That's why they cannot hear the word of God. They're not filled with tears. They cannot repent. These kinds of people, they need to be wary and really repent deeply. Repent deeply. 
And yet, what's the problem is that you cannot repent unless you hear the word of God. But because they're filled with this, with the, with the, with this religion, they cannot hear the word of God. And so, remember, we need to be poor. Amen? Again, I, uh, I'm going to preach out of Philippians tomorrow regarding this. And so anyways, and so this kingly ministry is primarily what? Is proclaiming the good news. To who? To the poor. Who does the kingdom of heaven belong to? It belongs to the humble. It belongs to the poor. And so... If we are continually connected to the world, we cannot be poor. Our spiritual ears become deaf. And so we're unable to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. And so there are many dangerous elements to this world, but particularly, why is the worldliness so dangerous to our spirit? It's because it has the elements to keep us from hearing the good news. And so, uh, proclaiming the good news to the poor, he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. And there are many ways to interpret this, but what does it mean? What is brokenhearted? Um, of course, it's talking to Israel and to uh, the children of God, but it's not talking about people who are unbelievers, to people who are not outside of the body of God. That God wants to bind up the brokenhearted of those who belong to Him. That's what you need to realize. That uh, it's not about me fixing myself. It's not me cultivating myself. No, God's goodness will not leave you alone. The reason why you are unaware of this is because you lose sight of God. You lose direction towards God. And so you think that, ah, my, my brokenness, I need to heal myself. No, if you are aligned to Him, if you are in tune with Him, you, what you will recognize is that He is always looking to mend your brokenness. Why are you unable to see this? It's because you are directed towards the world. You are heading towards the world. This is an amazing proclamation because this does not apply to Israel at this time because it's only after the Holy Spirit dwells within us, right? They need the Holy Spirit. They need the power of the blood. And so they do not have that in the Old Testament. And yet through this prophecy, what, we, what are we seeing? We're seeing the ministry of the Holy Spirit inside of us, cleansing us, cleansing us and renewing us, mending our broken hearts. And so as you're continually directing towards God, as you continue receiving the light of His glory, that light will illuminate the brokenness inside of you. And God will heal you, even in this time of worship. This is time of His healing. This is time of Him meeting with you and loosening you. And so this word that is proclaimed of Jesus' first, uh, Jesus' incarnation, right, is still applies to us even now. That God will set the captives free, will bind up the brokenhearted, will, will give good news to the poor, right? God is not going to just tolerate and compromise with your brokenness. No, his goodness is always running after you, will loosen you, will set the captives free, will proclaim the good news to the poor. It's not that I cannot bear with it. No, God cannot bear with it. 
You know, there's some of you, right? Like if um, your neighbor has a hair sticking up, you want to pick it, right? You want to pick it. That's the same thing. God does not leave any brokenness inside of you. He will heal you. He will heal you. He cannot leave it alone. That is his nature. Truly. And so that's why it's important for you to open up your heart to God. So again, it's all about your direction towards God. Are you directed towards God? It's because you do not direct yourself to God. That's why you're filled with your hurts. You're still bound, even though you've been at this church for so long. You know, that's what amazed me during this time of leadership the past two weeks. You've been at this church for so long, and yet you still have these hurts and wounds. If you live with the Holy Spirit, it would not be possible. The Holy Spirit would not tolerate it, would not compromise and so uh, let's continue to proclaim liberty to the captives right this is all things that the Messiah is to do when he comes to this earth he comes to this earth proclaims the good news um, binding up the brokenhearted proclaiming liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound this is all the ministry of king ministry of prophet ministry of the priest and so what is this all for to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And so in other words, the jubilee has come, right? The jubilee, right? The jubilee has come, right? The jubilee has come. And yet Israel has never ever um, kept the jubilee. Why? Because the true jubilee comes with the millennial kingdom. And so though that millennial kingdom will bring the jubilee, even now as Jesus Christ came and did this kingly, prophetic, and priestly ministry, he, he proclaimed good news to the poor, binded the brokenhearted, set the captives free. And what is he doing? He is making you a man of the jubilee. What is jubilee? Jubilee is restoration of everything. Right? True freedom. And so when you live by Jesus Christ, when you live by his good news, your heart will be transformed into what? Will be transformed into a heart of the Jubilee. You'll be a man of the Jubilee. And those who have experienced this will know. They will feel that true freedom. That you will not hate anyone. If you hate someone, what is that proof of? That is proof that you have hurts, you have wounds inside of you. And so if you are a state that has no hurts and wounds, then you cannot hate, right? Because you do not have hurts and wounds inside of you to hate. But let's say you hated me, right? And I hate you back because I have these hurts and wounds. But let's say I don't have these hurts and wounds. Even if you hate me, I do not have the ability to hate. That's what it means to love your neighbors because you do not have any enemies, the reason why you cannot love your enemies is because you have hurts and wounds inside of you. So, you, so many people think that, I, that I, I hated him because he hated me first. No. The reason why you hate that person is because you have these hurts and wounds. Because you have this brokenness inside of you. 
right? Look at quarrels between spouses. It's because there are these hooks inside of you that, that causes these differences of opinion, right? It's all self-centeredness. Where's Cohen? Where's how many days do you have left? You got three days. Tehum's got two days. Okay, you should do one more day for your sister. As older brother, do one more day with your sister. Wow, you refuse? If it was Hanmi, you probably would do it, right? Let's say that your fasting is finished tomorrow and I told you to do one more day, then you, that's like death, right? I knew someone who was finishing their 40-day fast, but God told them to do 10 more days. Wow, that, that is hard. And so, um, the year of the Lord's favor, right? The Jubilee. So when we live by the gospel, when we live by the Holy Spirit, we live a life of the Jubilee. This season is the time for us to deal with all of our hurts and wounds. Really, this is the season for us to be completely um, captivated in the power of God in the kingdom of heaven. Really, we should not have hurts and wounds any longer. If we have hurts and wounds, the problem is, is that, is that, is that uh, right? For example, like even with the physical body. If you, have a, if you have a wound, you have to bind that wound up, right? Unless you bind that wound up, all kinds of bacteria goes in, leading to infection, leading to rot. And so look, spiritual healing, inner healing, it's not something that I have to do. No, it's just aligning myself to God. And when I align myself to God, God heals me. So really, when you receive salvation, you get healed of all of those hurts and wounds. And yet, why were you unable to receive those healings? It's because you did not receive the illumination of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit illuminates it inside of you, it's all healed. When the Holy Spirit reveals to you and allows you to acknowledge it, the power of the blood moves right away. And then think about the hurts and wounds that you received when you were in your mother's room, in your in your um, in your uh, childhood. Right? These things lead to bitter roots, and so if you maintain those things, you cannot live a holy life. Many of you have these bitter roots. And these bitter roots have the tendency to make other bitter roots. And as it makes other bitter roots, it takes and builds houses. And as it builds houses, it allows a stronghold for the devil to enter. So spiritually speaking, with these hurts and wounds, we cannot live the glorious life that God has set before you. And so we need to deal with these hurts and wounds through the grace of God. All of the hurts and wounds that are in your unconscious, in your subconscious, all of these things need the illumination of the Holy Spirit. Without the illumination of the Holy Spirit, it's impossible. And yet, thanks be to God that Jesus Christ has made the way, has opened the way. How many testimonies have we heard of this? That the Holy Spirit has revealed these things? 
<laughs> right. That 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 that. Uh, how many testimonies that do we have of the Holy Spirit revealing these these hurts and wounds that you received when you were young? And so we need to deal with these hurts and wounds within us, amen? And so... This grace, this jubilee, we need to understand that this is the life of Christians. It's not a special life, only a reserve for a select few. No, as Christians, what is Jesus Christ wanting for us is to live this life of freedom, this life of the jubilee. So bless the person next to you, that you have the right to enjoy the jubilee. So really, God has given this amazing privilege to us to enjoy this jubilee. Amen? And so, this grace, right, that we are to live a life of jubilee, true freedom. Amen? So we're proclaiming this freedom in Central America, that all hurts are being healed. Amen? And really, in our community, all of these hurts are being healed. So if you hate someone, the problem is not the person you hate. No, the problem is this hate that you are receiving. You need to understand that there is some source within you that receives that hate. If you have that jubilee, you will not hate anyone. Being captive? Who dare take you captive if you have this jubilee? You have this true freedom? Who dare take you captive? I talked about freedom when it, in Galatians. What is freedom? Freedom is the right of the king. right? It's, it, it means that you are a king. Who dare take you captive? And so I proclaim once again that you are free. Amen? So let's continue. Proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. So remember, Jesus Christ did not use this part of this verse, but Isaiah proclaims the day of vengeance as well. What is the day of vengeance? The day of vengeance is from the perspective of the, of the millennial kingdom of the, of the eschatol. And so even from Jesus' first coming, um, this fight has begun. This fight has begun and this battle is severe. It's intense. Every moment by moment, constantly uh, ebbing and flowing. That the devil is, is struggling and striving to take away the glory of God. And so from one perspective, it is the year of Jubilee. The, living with this freedom and joy of the Jubilee. But at the same time, fighting and defending and, and unleashing God's vengeance upon the devil who's trying to steal this from us. Yeah. 
And so think about all the darkness that has happened in your life. It's all because of them. And so should you gnash your teeth at them or not? Of course you would gnash your teeth at them, right? You need to trample them under your feet. Keep trample them under your feet. That's why to me, the message of, uh, that says that, um, that you have the right and authority to trample upon scorpions and serpents, this is Rema to me. This is Rema to me. All the hardships in your life, all the, all the darkness in your life is because of what they've done. It's because of what they've done. And so you need to have vengeance, righteous vengeance against them. You need to be a spirit of vengeance against them. That is because of you. It's because of you. And so every day, take, letting, uh, uh, unleashing that stress onto the devil. So, for example, let's say that Dongjin uh, says to Kwon that, oh, you, how can you not know how to uh, cook? And then she and instead of getting mad at Tongjin, she says, it's because of you, you bastard. That bastard is not Tongjin, the bastard is the devil. It's all because of you. It's all because of you. So remember, when Jesus died on the cross, was the power of the devil destroyed or not? It was. And yet, why are they still active? As I said, it's for you so that you can experience that victory. That's what you need to understand. Do not... Understand that that's why the devil's still there, so, so that you can take spoils back from war. And then another way I interpret, this is just my own personal interpretation, is that they are relief for my stress. Right, take like, a, it's like getting a punching bag and putting uh, the word devil on it, and you just keep beating it, keep beating it, keep beating it, right? That's how you can unleash, uh, uh, um, relieve stress. Don't relieve stress on people. I had, I had a friend who had this kind of hurts. Usually when um, a child is reprimanded by their father, like, you know, like um, discipline, beaten by their father, then the mother, then the mother would, the mother would, um, would comfort the child or try to stop the father, right? But, but in his house, if the father beat, the mother would say that, then let me beat him more. And if the mother beat him, then the father would say, no, I will beat him more. <laughs> so imagine how many hurts he would have. Why were they beating the kids so much? It's because they were um, um, relieving their stress on their kids. And so in this way, don't relieve your stress on people, but relieve your stress on devil. All the wickedness in your life is because of them. And so why am I saying this? Because the day of vengeance of our God is being proclaimed. 
As we live on this earth, all the darkness, all the hurt, all the pain, all the poverty that we have experienced, even our illnesses, all of it, they are at the root of it. Right? The, God, the world that God has made is good. Amen? And so we need to proclaim vengeance and take our vengeance. Take our vengeance. Amen? So even through Central America, what are we doing? We're taking vengeance, taking vengeance, destroying everything that the devil has done. Right? They have polluted the church of God, have given hurts to people, have wounded people, and the spirit of death and the spirit of witchcraft over all this fear. We are going to take vengeance, amen? Take vengeance with God. And so this month of March is, is a march of vengeance, amen? March of vengeance. And so tune yourself to that vengeance of God. We need to have this heart of vengeance against the devil, amen? Not just to the young adults, but to everyone who's seated here, that we need to have this vengeance. It's because your eyes are not open to the spiritual world. That's why you're constantly deceived by your conditions, your circumstances. No, 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 no. As I always say, it's about who you are. You are not beings to live oppressed by the devil. You are not beings to live uh, mocked by the devil. No. That is not who you are. Our nature is to live with the dignity of God, but they have taken it away from us. They have tried to stole it from us. And so, what is the natural right that you should have against them is this vengeance. This vengeance. So cultivate this vengeance against them. As I said to Hani, I have never experienced what it means to be top of the class. I tried my best in school, but I could never be top of the class. And many of, uh, and so when I was looking at uh, those who were at the top of their class, they enjoy being top of their class. It's because they know the joy that comes from being on the top of the class, right? And though I do not understand what they're, what they're enjoying, but it's the same thing. When we meet with the Lord, the, the joy of this jubilee, this joy of freedom that he gives us, those who have tasted that joy, they refuse to live an ordinary life. It's so difficult to live an ordinary life because they know that joy. But because even if they are uh, oppressed by the world, they will not remain oppressed for a long time. They'll continually go towards God. It's because you know that joy that you continually pray. That's the season that is upon us. The season for us to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. And so now that because the time of accounting, the time of judgment is coming soon, God's grace is being poured out ever more upon us. His grace is being poured out for us to avail the joy of the Jubilee and at the same time also have the day of vengeance of the Lord. 
So this explosive grace and this explosive vengeance as we receive it as we open it we are growing exponentially amen that's the season that we are upon us and so this season that's why I'm proclaiming this message as I am going out to Central America because the year of favor and the day of vengeance is being proclaimed and so we're proclaiming this amen and so to comfort all who mourn. And so he proclaims the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance. What is happening is that the tables are being turned. Oh, we have been bound. We have been suffering. We have been oppressed. But now finally we are being set free. We are being restored. And, and through that restoration, what does it bring? It brings comfort to all who mourn. So to the remnant, to the remnant, God's comfort is coming to this generation of Elijah, this generation of glory that is preparing the way of the Lord. This comfort is going to come. So in these end times, as we proclaim the year of favor and the day of vengeance, we're continuing proclaiming, continuing proclaiming. And so his comfort comes, comfort comes so great. It's like this, I need a hundred one, but God gives me 201. That's the season that we are upon right now. And so we do not need to feel regret for the loss of the past, right? Why? Because the 100 that I lost, God pays back 200, 300. That's what we need to avail, this comfort that God is giving. Verse 3, to grant to those who mourn in Zion to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes. And so this ashes is describing their suffering, but instead of ashes, what do they receive? They receive a beautiful headdress, a crown. So how joyous are they? That's the season that we are upon. Right, this joy, this joy. I got to talk about joy tomorrow and it's getting mixed into the sermon today. But to the children of God, what is our essence? Our essence is joy, right? Because the kingdom of heaven's essence is joy. And so we receive what God has given us so if you are not rejoicing, it means that there is something that you are refusing to receive from the kingdom of heaven. You may fall into despair for a moment. It can be for a moment, but it should not last for a long time. And so if in your face there is no joy, this is something that is a sign that you need to repent. If you are not having joy in your Christian life, that is proof that you are being robbed by the devil that you are not availing the gifts the joy that God has given the grace that God has given it's already 5 o'clock I just begun I wanted to end soon today it's 5 o'clock already oh I need to get to chapter 62 verse 9 
사고 그랬어요. 끝날 시간을 자꾸만 조종하는 건 그건 아니다. 그랬어요. 그죠? 10시간 되었다. 나한테 3달 동안 못 만났는데. So this is the faith we need to have. That it is right for us to rejoice. That the essence of the children of God is to rejoice, to have joy. And so if you have darkness in your face, then every time you look at the mirror, put a flashlight so that your face can shine. Right? You need to, you need to shine whatever it takes to shine. As a child of God must not be darkened in their complexion, right? The devil loves that darkness. And so joy comes from within. And so if you do not have joy, that means that that's something that you need to deal with with God. And so do not be deceived. Oh, I do not have joy because I don't have money. No, no, it's in your essence, the essence of God, right? Right, the oil of gladness instead of mourning. So the oil of joy, the oil of gladness, as the Holy Spirit reigns within you, what does the Holy Spirit do is gives you love, and second is what is joy. The most important thing of Holy's work, or the Holy Spirit's work is to give you joy. And so this oil of gladness exists, but why are you unable to receive it? No, why are you able to receive it? Because the Holy Spirit reveals to you who you are. Look at Romans 8, 12. What does it say? That the Holy Spirit confirms that you are a child of God. It's because you're unable to receive that in faith that you forget the dignity, the nobility that you have as a child of God. But as the Holy Spirit dwells within you, leads you in your training, what does he, or leads you in your prayer, what does he do? He continually confirms who you are, confirms that you are a child of God. As it says in 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, that the, or 1 Corinthians 3.18, that the Holy Spirit is leading you from glory to glory, right? Continue leading you from glory to glory. And so if your face is downcast, that means that darkness has taken over you. Shadow is over you. And so remember, when I talk about downcast, I'm not talking about the, your complexion of your face. Does that mean that Pastor Cho is always in sin? No. I'm talking about this joy, right? This joy. Not the color of your skin, but this joy. So you see... Okay. Because of the spirit of witchcraft, there is a lot of uh, work of the spirit of death. So we need to fight against that. Be wary. And so anyways, this spirit of joy, the oil of gladness. We need to rejoice. Rejoice because the Holy Spirit pours out his oil of gladness. Amen. So what's evidence that you are not falling back in spiritual warfare is that you are filled with joy. You are filled with joy. That's why in Philippians it says what? It says to rejoice. Why? Because in Paul's life, this was the fruit of his, of his life is to rejoice, right? It's the essence of the kingdom of heaven. You're not rejoicing because good things happen. No, even though you are beaten, you rejoice. Even though you are pillaged, you rejoice. Even though you lack, you rejoice. Even though you are scheduled to die tomorrow, you rejoice. Hope, faith, and love the joy is what binds all of these things. The joy of faith, the joy of hope, the joy of love. 
And so the essence of the kingdom of heaven means you will rejoice. Amen. And so be filled with the oil of gladness. Be filled with the oil of gladness. Those who live before the king will be filled with joy. It's not because you've done something, you've accomplished something. No. Right? The moment you are saved on that day, you are filled with joy, right? Even if you don't have money, you are filled with joy the day you are saved. But it shouldn't just last for a few days. No, that joy should continually be with you. It's not that, oh, he has this joy because he finally got married. It's already been 10 months since you got married. Then that joy has probably slowly worn off, right? How about you? Oh, you guys are still newlyweds. And so you're filled with that joy, right? No? Why don't you say anything? If you are not joyous, you are newlyweds. It should be the honeymoon period. Do you think you'll have that same joy after 30 years? <laughs> okay, what does the women do? What does the woman do? The woman is... Uh, is obedient, right? Is obedient to the husband. If you try to control your husband, you'll be ruined. You'll be ruined. So if Han says something, then what should you do? You should say, yes, Lord. <laughs> and so oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit. So because you rejoice, you're filled with praise. Right? If you are filled with sadness, do you think you'll be able to praise? No. The garment of praise instead of a faint spirit. Faint spirit could be a worrying spirit, right? Worrying. And so you are not worrying. What is worries? It's because you live by your methods. That's why you worry. That, oh, what do I need to do? What should I do? That's why you worry. But if you live by the kingdom of heaven, you do not have these worries. You cannot have these worries. Listen carefully. I'm talking about the essence of what it means to be a saint. Not about hope for the future. Not some kind of fantasy. No. If I live by the kingdom of heaven, this is the essence of that life, right? That I'm supposed to live with that joy. And so that they may be called oaks of righteousness. It's righteousness that are these oaks that have received righteousness. Right through them hearing the good news, they receive this proclamation of this jubilee that they are oaks of righteousness, that they have been planted in God. And so, when we have received that righteousness, what does that mean? That means that we have the right to meet with the king. We have the right to meet with God. And if we can meet with the king, what right do we have? We have the right to call upon the king. This is really important. I wish that you would, you would understand the significance of this. That you can call upon the king. That you have this privilege. That is great privilege. That through the price that he paid. Through what he has done on this earth. What he has done through the cross. That we can call upon the king. Even before the kings of the world, you can, not anyone can go. Only those who are called can go. But we are children of the king. We are sons of the king that can come before him and call upon him at any times. How amazing is this right? How amazing is this privilege that God has given us? 
that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. And so how can he be glorified? Because we have received that glory. Remember, glory again is something that God gives. It's not just given to anyone. It's given to us because we are his children. And so we radiate that glory. The devil knows clearly who is radiating glory. And so we need to be, live the, out that dignified life that radiates that glory. Amen. And why is this glory possible? It's because the kingdom, the presence of the king is dwells within you. Why does it dwell within you? Because you are his dwelling place. You are his temple. Amen. And so in Isaiah 61, it connects with chapter 60 as well. 59, it talks about the warfare of Armageddon. And then chapter 60 talks about the future glory of the millennial kingdom. Now in 61, we see that millennial kingdom. So chapter 60, verse 1, what does it say? It says, arise, shine, for your light has come. So finally, uh, Jesus' time to arrive has come. In the midst of all that darkness, the remnant... The remnant shines that light, shines that glory. Why? Because even though that darkness covers over the world, the remnant has the Spirit of God within them, radiating that glory, shining that glory. Right? Like when an airplane lands, what happens to the runway? The runway at night, it's illuminated, right? It's illuminated by those lights, the guiding lights. So in the same way, we are like that guiding lights that are shining even in the darkness. That's why, preparing the way of the Lord, preparing the way of the Lord. If not, Jesus would crash land on earth. And so it's because we shine that light, the remnant shines that light, that glory is there, that Jesus Christ comes right on Incheon International Airport, right? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, and so this glory isn't just random glory. No, it's glory that the remnant radiates as they, sh as they live, maintaining the holiness of the Lord, even in the time of great darkness, of great wickedness. Amen. Hallelujah. And so please shine that light. Please shine that light. So now let's talk about the millennial kingdom. Okay, let's just read really quickly. Verse 4. They shall build up the ancient ruins. And so this is talking about Jerusalem, yes? And as I said earlier, these ruins, these ruins being healed has already begun. Why? Because the people are being prepared. All the things of God is being prepared. And so as this millennial kingdom uh, comes, those ruins will be restored right away. It's the same thing with the church. This glorious church, as it says in Zechariah 5, upon this uh, ruin of the church is being restored. It's being restored even now. And so they shall rise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. This restoration doesn't just happen immediately. 
immediately during the millennial kingdom, but it's being prepared even right now. Of course, we will see the fruition of that in the millennial kingdom, but it's already beginning inside of you right now. As God is resetting this time, he is preparing for the kingdom of heaven to come upon this earth. He's preparing everything that's needed, amen? All the resources, all the brokennesses of the church, all the ruined places are being restored right now. The glory is being restored, amen? Verse 5, strangers shall stand and tend your flocks, foreigners shall be your plowmen and vine dressers. And so, as this new Jerusalem comes, as they take their ministry as priestly kings, now they have that ministry of priests, but now the Gentiles, the Gentiles are going to come and, 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 and they're going to... Um, and so even now, what is God doing? He's preparing these priestly kings. These priestly kings don't just appear out of nowhere. No, these priestly kings are being prepared for their office. And so you need to be prepared in that kingdom of heaven so that the kingdom of heaven can come. You are being trained right now as these priestly kings. So even now, God is looking for people to be these priestly kings. As it says in Revelations, that the remnant are being prepared. Those who have called, who are elect, those who are faithful to their calling, those who follow the Lamb wherever He may go. That's who God is looking for. And so these people don't just come out of nowhere during the Millennial Kingdom. It's not just, oh, I attended church. No, these priestly kings, those who prepare themselves in their lives, they will enjoy this glory. It's the same thing in verse 6. But you shall be called the priests of the Lord. They shall speak of you as ministers of our God. You and so these people who are called who shall be spoken as ministers of God that, that is great privilege it is great glory and so to serve the God to minister to God is a great privilege so many people think that all oh, being ministers to God is 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 lowly thing no no it it is it is great honor you shall eat the wealth of the nations and in their glory you shall boast and so really uh, a life that lives based on what God gives what are we doing on this earth we're preparing to live as priestly kings and as we live as priestly kings we receive that glory receive the wealth of the nations and receive that glory and that's what we are preparing that is what we are practicing we are preparing for that eternal kingdom right we are preparing for that eternal kingdom preparing for that house that 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 is waiting for me in that eternal kingdom and so if you do not prepare yourself on this earth you cannot live that way and so what is the church doing the church is preparing to live that that dignified life in the millennial kingdom do you believe do you believe that's the season that is opening up upon you right now we are at the cusp of that preparation we are at the cusp and so whatever you do you need to prepare for this glorious system. Prepare for that kingdom to come. To pray more for that kingdom. To proclaim more for that kingdom. As pastor goes out into the world, or in, in enlarging that scale, you also follow along with me. 
It's not just pastor going by himself. No, of course, I may be going as representative. You are also all coming with me. That when I have victory, you have victory with me. Amen? Is not that not the case? Is that not so? Right? Your offering. Your offering. It's through your offering that we are going out into the world. And so even now, all the money that we're using is all your reward. Your reward. The reward of Yorubang Church all belongs to you. It's the same thing. It's not my reward. It's your reward. We're going together. That's why we're looking for holiness together to continually grow and grow and grow together. Amen. So verse 7. Instead of your shame, there shall be a double portion. And this shame, this shame isn't just simply talking about, um, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Ignominy. It's not just simple ignominy, but rather, Ragnar. Rather, you understand that that ignominy will become your fame, will become your honor. All the shame that you feel for the kingdom of heaven, that you will receive a double portion, that you will receive a double portion. And so who are those who receive the double portion in the law? It is the firstborn, the firstborn. Who are the firstborn? The firstborn of the remnant. The firstborn receives a double portion of the inheritance. You're not just going to kingdom of heaven just to receive one portion. No, you receive double portion. That's who you are. You receive the joy of the double portion. That's what you need to be able to see. That this world is nothing. That we need to see the glory that is to come. The glory that is to come. That's what we'll see in Philippians, right? I have run the race for uh, for my calling, right? To, to receive my reward, like Paul, right? That I have run the race, that I have kept the faith. And now what awaits me is a crown of glory, a crown of glory. That's the preparation that we need to have. Amen? And so let's continue. Verse 8. For I love, for I the Lord love justice. I hate robbery and wrong. And so the Lord loves justice, Zedek. And the reason why he loves this righteousness it's because this righteousness is how God lives. And so that's why he gives us righteousness. He gives us this righteousness so that we can meet with him because it's providing the way for us to meet with him. He is God of righteousness. He loves justice and he hates robbery and wrong. And so if you have unrighteousness, then you need to rob people. You need to steal. You need to take from others. That's the methods of the world. Right? If you lived in this world, that means that you are a thief. You are a robber. Anything that lives apart from God is a life of robbery, is a life of thievery. And so those who live in righteousness, God, I will faithfully give them their recompense. Because you live in righteousness, God faithfully gives them their recompense. And many times we lose sight of this. And because we lose sight, for example, because of righteousness, we get stolen. Because of righteousness, we are sick. Because of righteousness, we suffer. But God will repay you. God will um, faithfully give them their recompense. And so, do not be distraught because you lose things because of righteousness. Do not be distraught because you suffer because of righteousness. Do not put too much weight on that momentary pain. Because I will faithfully give them the repentance. I will make an everlasting covenant with them. And so this new covenant is being perfected. Amen. We're looking to that eternal covenant. Verse 9, their offspring shall be known among the nations and their descendants in the midst of the peoples. 
So again, this is praise and honor. Praise and honor. Ah, at this time, ah, this is the glory that in me comes from living in the kingdom of heaven. And so you receive that glory and honor, that fame and honor. That all that the nations praise your name, right? Amen. Hallelujah. In in God. That the glory that God is giving us. You need to be filled with more joy and filled with more inspiration. If you are lost in Babylon, you lose sight of this. You lose sight of the glory that God is preparing for you in these end times. It becomes hazy. Do not allow that to happen. Keep opening your eyes to the spiritual world. Keep opening your spiritual eyes. For example, in our church, right? Our church... Because we have many ministries, God is going to unleash His prosperity, His riches to this church. But do not think that in simply money, in terms of money. No, the riches that God is going to pour out is is the things that God is going to give us for his kingdom. It's not about me making that money. No, it's, it's not out of my efforts that I'm going to give to God. No, that's not the faith that I need to have. No, the faith I need to have is God unleashes those riches for his kingdom. It's not about my effort. It's not about me working hard to make that money. Now, of course, we work diligently. We work hard. But, but it's the faith that God gives, that faith that God will make it. And so what do we need? What we need is the faith to give it all up for God. It's not about me making it. It's not about faith about me able to make it. No, it's about faith about me being able to give it all up to God. That's the faith that we need to have. And so, all who see them shall acknowledge them that they are an offspring the Lord has blessed. And so that's what we'll see when that kingdom comes, that we'll receive honor and fame from God, and all the nations will see that you are blessed. That's the faith that we need to have. That's the hope that we have. That's why we go out to Central America. That's why we go to America. That's why we serve all these peoples. If not, then why would we, why during this time of hardship, of economic downturn, would we spend all this money if this was not the hope that we have? But it's because of this hope. It's because of this hope. We go out. We go out. Because of that hope of the praise and glory that we will receive in that day. Right? Do I have anything that ties me to the passages of Central America? No. And yet, because of this glory, this is the joy that we have. That God has called us to this ministry and that God has allowed us to partake in this great glory. Amen. How honest, what such an honor is this? Honestly, there's so many churches out there in this world that this $600,000 is nothing. It's nothing. And yet, even though those churches want to do this ministry, they can't. And yet, God has given us this grace. Has given us this grace. That though this much may be great money to us, and yet God has given us this grace. And so we need to be able to see that glorious kingdom that, we got, that God is preparing for us for that kingdom. Amen. And so verse 10, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exult in my God. For he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. 
He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself like a priest with a beautiful headdress, and as a bride adorns herself with jewels. And so this kingdom, that you can see that joy clearly. So we're preparing that joy. Amen. So verse 11, For as the earth brings forth its sprouts, and as the garden causes what is sown in it to sprout up. And so what? When the millennial kingdom comes, it's the kingdom that you can enjoy what you have. It's not being taken, it's not being stolen from, but what you enjoy. As it says in Micah 4.4. 4. That we will enjoy the figs of our trees, the fruit that we have. Amen. And so, yes. So the Lord will, uh, God will cause righteousness and praise to sprout up before all the nations. And in chapter 62, verse 1, For Zion's sake I will not keep silent, and for Jerusalem's sake I will not be quiet. Uh, until her righteousness goes forth as brightness and her salvation as a burning torch. Even right now, God is working hard for Jerusalem of this earth, right? Oh, crap. One moment. Sorry, sorry. Wow, I'm sorry, sorry, sorry. One moment. And so as I say, this is proof that God works hard. It's not about us need to work. God works hard for us. Amen. This is the assurance you need to have. Even now God works. It's not us who work. God works. God is faithful in his work for us. Amen. We do not live by works. We live by our existence. We live by our beings. That, and when you realize this in faith, ah, it's not me who works. God works for me. Even now, all I do when I go to Central America is just open my mouth and God, God speaks through me. And God touches all 900 of them, binding the devil and letting that word being proclaimed. It's not about my efforts. It's just I open my mouth and God's words pours out through me. Amen. And that's the secret that we need to realize. Amen. The mystery of the word of God, the mystery of faith. It's the same thing with your business. It's not about you doing your business. God does your business for you. Amen. So many of you, since you're not saying amen, it seems that you do not know, but it's okay. Amen. Amen. This is what it means to have Sabbath, right? It's not me working, but God working, right? That is the Sabbath rest. The Sabbath rest. As long as I have faith, God works. Amen. And this is the season that is upon us, that faith works powerfully amongst us, that the power of faith is being revealed clearly, amen? And so we need to have that faith, amen? And so continuing straight, what does he say? Verse 3, look, you shall be a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord and a royal diadem in the hand of your God. Right, and so, like, the dignity of, of that crown, what does it represent? It represents the dignity of the king. So we'll receive that crown. And so as it says in verse 4, you shall no more be termed forsaken, and your land shall no more be termed desolate. But you shall be called, my delight is in her, and your land married. For the Lord delights in you, and your land shall be married. And so here, my delight is in you is Hepshiva, and your land married is Beulah. So, 
On the day you got married. The day you got married was the most happiest day you had, right? He said, Amen. No, no, that's your problem. Your most happiest day is the day that you met with God. And then the second is, what is your marriage? Is your wedding. And so that's what's being proclaimed here, right? How happy is our life with God that He is our bridegroom, that I am His bride? This joy is that's what that is what is being compared to, alluded to as as here. And so the first happiest day of my life is the day where I met with God. The second happiest day of my life is, of course, what is my marriage, right? So this is the joy. This is the delight that we have. So, to those who are preparing uh, for that victory, uh, an important fruit is joy. Do not let joy be taken away from you. If you are not rejoicing, then deal with it. You need to fight for that joy. Pray and wrestle with God for, for that joy to be restored. Hallelujah. And we are finished. And so in verse 6. Oh, okay, never mind, never mind. Okay, if I keep going, then I will never stop. So let us pray. Okay, it's important to pray today because we need to avail this joy. Let us enjoy this joy. And so proclaim with your lips. Proclaim the year of Jubilee that I will no longer be bound. I am no longer captive. Yes, Lord, may all their hearts be healed. May they be loosened. May, they, may all the captives be set free. Proclaim those things with your lips. Why? Because this is the season that is upon us. It's not my will. It's not my works. No, God's will is to do so. And so let us proclaim the faith. So proclaim with your lips that the anointing of the millennial kingdom flows. That that joy flows forth from me, and because it flows forth from me, that that uh, glory radiates from my face. And so let us rejoice in this victory, amen? So saints, do not let your faces be downcast. I'm not saying force yourself to smile. But when you realize who God is and that the Holy Spirit is dwelling within you and that the Holy Spirit is declaring the Jubilee, how can you not rejoice? Amen. Your faces must be bright. You need to be able to shine that light. Amen. And so this conference in Central America, as we proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, proclaiming the vengeance of the Lord all over the world. 
that the devil would be paid back a hundredfold, that we would annihilate, annihilate the devil, relieve your stress against the devil. Do not be pillaged any longer. Do not be pillaged any longer. The glory that God has given us, let us avail it. For God has provided more than enough. God has provided more than enough for us to be conquerors. And so let us pray. Lord, at this time, as we go before Central America, we proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and we proclaim the day of, the, of vengeance. And so, Lord, you have done amazing things up until this point, but we have been we have lost it to the devil. But now, Lord, we proclaim vengeance. We proclaim vengeance. May all that glory be reclaimed. May all that uh, nobility be reclaimed. May all the material wealth be reclaimed. We proclaim the day of the Lord's vengeance. We proclaim the day of the Lord's vengeance. May the joy be restored to us. May we overflow with the joy. May we find once again the joy and the glory and the dignity of the kingdom of heaven. That we proclaim once again freedom. We proclaim freedom. Be completely healed. Be completely healed. Blood of Jesus. Blood of Jesus. Take your vengeance. More, Lord. Take your vengeance. Proclaim the year of Lord's favor. All your bindings shall be loosened. All the captives shall be set free. Let that joy shine. Let that glory shine from your face. is the season of vengeance. Great reset. Great reset. More, Lord. More powerfully, O oh Lord. Lord, may the powerful anointing of the king and the joy of victory come forth and as the community marches forth with these things equipped, may amazing victory uh, be claimed. Take your vengeance. Take your vengeance. Claim your vengeance. Reclaim all that has been taken from you. It is not me who works, but God will work for you. God will work for you. Have faith. Have faith. Hold on to faith. Be loosened. Be completely loosened. All bindings, all captives, be set free. Be set free. All prisons be broken down. I proclaim freedom. I proclaim freedom. I proclaim the captives being set free. Lord, be present in this place. More than ever, we need to recognize that the authority and the power of the name of Jesus Christ is being manifest upon us. It is time for us to unlimitedly use the power and authority of this name. And so, devil, I proclaim to you all the power, all the health, all the riches that you have taken from us, we reclaim it. We reclaim it. We take our vengeance against you. We take our vengeance against you. Proclaim the day of vengeance. Proclaim the year of God's favor. Rejoice. Rejoice, saints. Rejoice, O saints of Yaban Church. God, pour out your oil of gladness. Pour out 
your oil of gladness. Have faith. It's about faith. It's about faith. Don't calculate. Don't think. It's about faith. Faith. More, Lord. More, Lord. Pour out more of your anointing. More powerfully, oh, Lord. Lord, we thank you. May you open up a new season of fire to the remnant. We proclaim your amazing victory. We proclaim your amazing favor. And we proclaim your amazing vengeance. Do not let any hurts and wounds bind us, but may all those bindings be set free. And for these past 20 years, as Yarbank Church have dedicated themselves to these world missions, may you unleash your blessings upon them. Yes, Lord. In all this time, all the things that we have been have lost, all of those things, we proclaim your vengeance. We proclaim your recompense. And so, Lord, during this conference, may you continually do amazing works, things that we have never experienced before. Bless this offering. May it please you upon those who are go, uh, and may this money be used to. Proclaim your your gospel to the lost souls of Costa Rica. May may it continually come upon them and unleash upon them in your blessings. May it continually overflow, overflow upon that that it would make uh, use of them. And so in and now by the grace of. Jesus Christ is the head of the church and through the holy love of the Father and through the indwelling, comforting, fulfilling work of the Holy Spirit to those who proclaim the year of favor and the day of vengeance upon their families, upon their inheritance, upon their business, upon their workplace, upon, upon this church, upon the remnant, and upon Zoe ministry all over the world. May this blessing rest now and forevermore. Amen.